for this morning. The next thing is, the next main division is opposition. Opposition to, a, to the fellowship. Opposition to a spirit-filled life. There's no question about this. We have opposition. And we have three implacable enemies. I want to take them up. I'll mention what they are. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We have these three things. And then I'm going to take up three inward hindrances. I'm going to talk about the giants, you remember, in the book of Joshua. But first of all, opposition to the fellowship or hindrances to a spiritual life. The first one, the opposition of the world. I suggest 1 John chapter 2, starting from verse 15. In fact, you're going to go by to verse 14. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. The word of God's abiding in you. You're strong. You've overcome the wicked one. But you got a new enemy, the world. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. After Dr. Mitchell gives us a quick review of what he presented in our previous lesson, that is, the provisions for the restoration of fellowship, he will now go on to present the opposition to the Spirit-filled life. And he begins by saying there are three outward hindrances and three inward hindrances. And beginning in 1 John chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, we have listed there the world and the three things in the world which can cause hindrances to one's Spirit-filled life. A definition of the word world is found in the Bible, and it is, the world is an evil religious system with the devil as its ruler and prince. But our Lord Jesus Christ has gained the victory over the world, and even prayed in John 17 that the Father would keep us out of the world's evil and evil one. So here's Dr. Mitchell in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Now, in our, in our last lesson last week, we were discussing uh, the provision to restore fellowship. I believe that's what we were doing in our last class. God's provision for us for renewed fellowship. May I again just say one or two things? The spiritual life is a life of intimate fellowship with God. But sin breaks that fellowship. But the Lord keeps his appointment. Sin keeps us from the appointment. And God has made, a, made wonderful provision for us. He's given to us his word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against the 119th Psalm. We have an interceding Savior in glory praying for us, representing us as Hebrews 7, 25 and, and chapter 10, 24, or 9, 24. We have our Lord interceding for us. 
He's able to save perfectly all those who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make a decision for us. And he stands in the presence of God for us as our representative. Then in 1 John chapter 2, he's our advocate. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's made all the provision for you and me to walk with God. And if I remember correctly, we, we put on the board, we go to the cross for salvation. We go to the throne for fellowship. And I illustrated that by Exodus chapter 17, if I remember correctly, where the rock was smitten, do you remember? And water came forth, that's the cross. Numbers 20, God told Moses to speak to the rock. And Moses, you remember, lost his temper, and he smote the rock twice. And God said, because you've done this, you'll not enter the land. He had the testimony there in 106 Psalm where Moses said he lost his temper. You remember that? Well, now, <clears throat> for this morning, the next thing is, the next main division is opposition. Opposition to, a, to the fellowship. Opposition to a spirit-filled life. There's no question about this. We have opposition. And we have three implacable enemies. Now, I want to take them up. I'll mention what they are. The world, the flesh, and the devil. So we have these three things. And then I'm going to take up three inward hindrances. I'm going to talk about the giants, you remember, in the book of Joshua. But first of all, uh, opposition to the fellowship or hindrances to a spiritual life. The first one, the opposition of the world. I suggest 1 John chapter 2, starting from verse 15. In fact, you're going to go by to verse 14. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. The word of God's abiding in you. You're strong. You've overcome the wicked one. But he got a new enemy, the world. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'm quoting from 1 John chapter 2, from verse 14 on down, down through verse, uh, verse 17. Verse 17. By the way, that's a nice section. You have the three kinds of people in the family of God. You've got the fathers, the young men, then starting at verse 18, you've got the babies, little experienced ones. But to the young men who are strong, the word of God is abiding in them. They have overcome the wicked one, but they've got a new enemy, the world. And all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, may I just say this in passing? We have three enemies. It's always the Father in opposition to the world. It is always the Holy Spirit in opposition to the flesh. Like Galatians chapter 5. The flesh desireth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. And then the, the opposition to the devil is by our Savior. So you have the, the, the three enemies, and then we have the whole Godhead. And by the way, that doesn't change. It's always the Father in opposition to the world. It's always the spirit in opposition to the flesh. It's always our Savior in opposition to the devil. If you want to follow that through, well, we will pass a little later. Now, first of all, the world. If we got that passage down, 1 John chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. The world. 
It's a remarkable thing, you know, in John chapter 17, where we have our Lord's Prayer. You all remember that passage, that amazing passage, John 17. Don't get me in it because I'll be here until midnight on John 17. It's so full. You know, he talks about his glories. You've got the Father and the Son and so on. And when you come to chapter 17, you have 19 times in the passage our Lord talks about the world. For example, our Lord in verse 9 says, I pray not for the world. I pray for those whom thou hast given to me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and I have kept them. Now, Father, you keep them. The world is an implacable fall. It's a religious system. But you forget that. The prince of this world is Satan, the devil, the adversary. The world is a religious system opposed to God. No wonder our Lord, as I said, 19 times he talks about the world to keep you and me from the world and all that pertains to it. Uh, we're not a part of it. When you and I accepted the Savior uh, from Colossians chapter 1, 13, he translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his blessed Son. See, we've already had one translation. I'm waiting for the next one. What's that one? To be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. All right. The average believer apparently is ignorant of this whole thing. We play with the world. We want to be accepted by the world. We want the world to pat us on the back. You know, they'll even pat you for being good. You know that? But the world's a terrible system. And he asks the Father to keep us from the world and from its prince. He has promised us nothing in the world but tribulation. John 16, I think, the last, second last verse, 33. John 16, 33, I think it is. In me, you'll have peace, but in the world, you'll have tribulation. But cheer up, I have overcome the world. The guarantee of victory is in Christ. There's no question we're in the world. You have it also in John chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. First John chapter 4, 4 to 6. Now, let's go up. I want to say it's a religious system, an evil, wicked system. And Satan is its prince, and Satan is its power, and Satan is its God. Don't you minimize this. You've got an implacable enemy. Now let me suggest this suggestion. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. But starting at verse 1, you, were, you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In time past you walked according to the course of this world, this age. It's where you walked. It's where you had your, where you had your life. Before you and I were saved, we were in the world. We were part of it. We may not have known very much about it, but we're part of it. And God redeemed us from that world. He bought us for himself, took us out of the world, made us his children. We're down here as his ambassadors. In Jude, in Jude verse 11, you have the doctrines of the religious world. They've gone the way of Cain 
That's Jude, verse 11. They've gone the way of Cain, that is, salvation without sacrifice. They've followed after the error of Balaam for reward. They've commercialized spiritual things. They've followed after the, uh, the gainsaying of Korah. You find that in Numbers. They despise the authority of the Word of God. So you take the religious world, not the, not the church, the religious world, salvation without the cross. In other words, you, you are your own savior. You'll be good enough, you get saved maybe. Commercializing divine things, I'm sorry to say that is swept over among evangelicals too. Commercializing th divine things. Listen, fellas and girls, don't be a hireling. Don't be a hireling. I'm not a hireling. You couldn't hire me. I'm a servant of the living God. He takes care of me. You couldn't buy my services. I get letters sometime uh, when he gave us a meeting, when he have a conference. Huh? What are your charges? That boils me when I ask that question. I write back, I got no charges. It would be a delight to give you the word of God. And I had a preacher to me one time, asking me at a conference in, in the east in Ohio. He said to me, uh, what's Mac going to give you? I said, I don't know. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. You've come all the way from the coast to Ohio, and you don't know what you're going to get? I don't care what I'm going to get. He said, you learn. I said, no, sir, I'll never, never learn. I'm sorry you brought the matter up, because if that's what you are, you're a hireling. I thought he was going to knock me down. Well, but he got a little Irish in me, see. All right, Second Peter 2. You have also the false teachers, religionists of the last days in the church. You have the book of Jude, by the way, and second chapter, second Peter, uh, go together quite well. And remember second Corinthians chapter four, verse four, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. All right, that's the world. Remember that, and just at being, being brief. Now, the second enemy is the flesh. The flesh. Now, I suggest Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. The flesh desireth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so you can't do the thing that you would. Remember this. Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's a contrast. If I walk in the spirit, verse 16, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then 17 tells us what that is, for the, what the works of the flesh are. Follow it on down through. We've got an implacable enemy, the flesh. And you, as long as you're down here, you can't get away from it. And as Ephesians chapter 4, you remember Ephesians 4, 30 to 32. Well, we're commanded to be filled with the spirit of God. And he talks about those things which are opposed, things of the flesh. If you have that in Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. And then in chapter 5, he said, Let all bitterness and wrath and so on be put away from you with all malice. See? 
And you have it also in chapter 5, uh, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, one is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This is the great desire. The flesh is always opposing. In those two chapters, you have things that are opposed to the Spirit of God. Things that are enmity against the Spirit of God. So you have the flesh. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, we are told to throw off the old man with his deeds, that's the flesh, and put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, if I were teaching the book of Romans, in chapter 6, for example, I'd take some of that up, of how you have the sin on one hand, the flesh on one hand, the Spirit of God on the other. I've got a new man when you and I are saved, as 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in this Christ, this risen, glorified Christ, he's a new creation, new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new, but I'm in a body not yet redeemed. You know that. I know it. That's why at the end of chapter 5 of Galatians 24 and 25, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lusts. If by the Spirit you live, then by the Spirit walk. God's put in you and me the Spirit of God to cause us to walk, pleasing to Him. The world outside is opposed to that kind of a life. And the flesh doesn't like it either, because sometimes you have to suffer. No question about that. It's very, very subtle. In fact, I don't want to go too much into it, but a lot of preachers are preaching today, be yourself. Be yourself, know yourself, get to know yourself, boost yourself. Huh? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get you occupied with me instead of him. That's the danger. That's the danger. We have in us the Spirit of God. And as I yield myself to him, that he lives out his life. And the exhortation in Ephesians 4 is, throw off the old man with his deeds. This Romans chapter 6, sin is no longer the master. The death of Christ has severed the relationship to sin as a master. I'm a new man in Christ. Are you? Pardon me. Can you folk equate yourself with 2 Corinthians 5, 17? If any man be in Christ, is risen, glorified Christ. He's what? I can't even hear you. How many have a new creation? How many indwelled by the Spirit? Has he got all kinds of power? New creation! Who in the world shouting like that? <laughs> or you take, uh, just these verses come to my mind, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also make alive your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Do you realize, young people, you and I have indwelling in us the Spirit of God that raised him from the dead. If the Lord Jesus should come right now, where would you go? Hang on to the pew? What would you do? Well, you wouldn't have stopped, you wouldn't have time to think about it. You'd go right on up. Is that right? If, all right. If I have in me the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, 
the power that can transform this body from mortal to immortal, then I've got the power in me to control that body from its desires and its flesh. Hmm? It's got this thing very, very clear. All right, the third one. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now let's look at this last one. The devil is always opposed to the Son of God. You remember in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter, chapter 4, it's barely mentioned in, chapter, in, in Mark chapter 1, just barely mentioned. It's not mentioned at all in John's gospel. In John, he's God manifest in the flesh. And you, have, you don't have that test in John's gospel. But especially in Matthew and in Luke. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Luke, he's the man of God. And you have the devil facing our Savior on three grounds. And remember, our Savior had just been baptized by John in Jordan. And the, and the Father had said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the end of chapter 3. And in chapter 4, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. He's there 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying. And the devil came to him and said, see, the Lord would be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. I'd be hungry after four hours. But he, he, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. If you're the Son of God, prove it. Command these stones to be made bread. Prove yourself. And Jesus said, it's, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Notice the Savior, the sinless one. The one who was very pleasing to the Father did what you and I can do. Turn to the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Then Satan took him to the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself down. Here's a whole crowd. Here's a whole crowd in the temple courtyard. What are the Jews looking for? The coming of the Messiah. How's Messiah going to come? Well, Daniel chapter 7 tells us how he's going to come. He's going to come in the clouds of heaven. Here you are way up here in the pinnacle of the temple. You jump down. It is written, he will give his angels charge concerning thee. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Satan quoted the word of God. But he left the most important part out. Did you notice this? It is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Satan left that little wee bit out. See? Satan can quote the Bible too, I'll tell you. And he leaves a little wee bit out. Generally the most important thing, what he leaves out, to keep thee in all thy ways. And our Lord said, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. Then Satan took him up to, the, to a mountaintop and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'll give you the whole business. You don't have to go to a cross. You don't have to die. I'll give you the whole thing if you'll just fall down and worship me. Satan aspiring to be God. And Jesus again said, it is written. 
Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You notice, the word of God, first of all, the grace of God. Command these stones to be made bread. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. God can take care of me. His grace is sufficient for me. Pinnacle of the temple, the word of God. He attacked the word of God, left out to keep thee in all thy ways. He misquoted scripture. The person of God, fall down and worship me, said Satan. The grace of God, the word of God, the person of God. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. What was the temptation of Adam, the first Adam? The grace of God, the word of God, the person of God. All your tests come under those three grounds. The grace of God is it sufficient for your need. The word of God cannot be trusted. The person of God is he worthy of worship. You're faced with that. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.